Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today on the program, Dr. Rob Linstead is here to examine the power of the cross. And Pastor Larry will continue our anniversary month celebration honoring one of our ministry elders. Studio 50, our special project to raise the needed funds to update our recording equipment and software, currently stands at just over 72% of our goal. We're less than $14,000 away from fully funding our new studio. Would you please prayerfully consider giving a gift to the Studio 50 project today? You can give your gift by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or give online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Ministry friend Dr. Rob Linstead will be a featured speaker at our upcoming Wichita, Kansas Prophecy Conference. I hope everyone takes the opportunity to hear Rob and the wonderful lineup of speakers. Get all the details on the May 6th and 7th Wichita Prophecy Conference over at our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Now, here is Dr. Rob Linstead and staff evangelist James Collins to look at the awesome power of the cross. Joining me to talk about the cross of Christ is Dr. Robert Linstead. Dr. Linstead has a PhD in mechanical engineering and he taught for nine years in the Department of Mechanical Engineering at Wichita State University in Wichita, Kansas. Since leaving WSU in 1979, he has been devoted full-time to the Lord's work. Dr. Linstead has spoken at numerous Bible conferences, prophecy conferences, and at youth camps in over 35 states, as well as in Canada, Scotland, Jamaica, and the Bahamas. Dr. Linstead takes a special interest in working with young people and he is the executive director of Sunrise Christian Academy in Wichita. He's the author of several books, including the one that we're going to talk about today, The Power of the Cross. Dr. Lynn said, welcome back to The Watchman on the Wall. Thanks, James. It's so good to be back with you guys there at Southwest Radio Church. Well, Dr. Linstead, it's been a while since you've been on our program, so for those listening who may not be familiar with you, would you share your testimony? How did you come to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? James, I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. My father was an evangelist, and I knew by his commitment to Christ, he came to know the Lord from a family that lived in Chicago. They weren't churchgoers, and by the grace of God, he was saved as he played a trumpet at a revival meeting. And from that moment on, he lived Christ, and he and my mother were the best examples of Christianity that I could ever have hoped for. And so I knew that the gospel was real because I saw he was a very bright man, and I saw his dedication to the scripture. I saw his zeal for winning souls. And one night, he and a preaching partner that he had, they were preaching here in Wichita, Kansas, and they preached heaven beautiful, and they preached hell hot. Yes, sir. And I knew enough about the Bible that I knew that those things were real. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that I'd never personally received Christ as my Savior. And so I went out and talked to my father that night, and he used John 3.36, He that hath the Son has life, mm. and he that has not the Son of God shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And my father said, there's only two parts of that verse, and you're in one or the other. I said, wow, Dad, I'm, I'm the part that doesn't have life. And so he simply went through the gospel, 
And I suddenly saw that, you know, what I was missing, I believed in Jesus. I believed that he died. I believed that he rose again. But I never personally accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for my sin. Hmm. I was a sinner. I'm still a sinner. But by God's grace, Jesus paid the debt of my sin. And that night I saw it. And I received him. And that was it for me. And from that point on, I've enjoyed knowing that my sins are forgiven by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Well, I always love to hear how men of God got called to the ministry. How did God call you to preach the gospel? I was working at IBM in the research division on the East Coast. And the more I studied scripture, and it was during a time when Israel was very much in the news, I was talking to my father on the phone, and I just said, wow, Dad, if these things are coming true, just like the Bible says, it means that we could be at the very time when Christ is coming back. And my father said, you know, that's exactly right. And the more I thought about earning a living as a research engineer, and don't get me wrong, I love engineering. I love math. I still teach the calculus classes here at Sunrise Christian Academy. But what I loved more was the fact that, that I knew that I was going to live in heaven. And I knew that the Bible promised that, that never had entered into my mind all the wonderful things there and never had it entered into my mind what Christ was going to show me in heaven. And the more I thought about the fact that I might be alive when Christ was coming back, I thought, wow, that's more exciting than anything else I could do. And so I decided to leave IBM and the research center there, come back and begin to teach because I knew at the university teaching there, I would have access to so many students. And I knew that many of those students are searching for meaning to life. Some of them from America, some from other countries. And I really began to fall in love with the international students because I saw that they were searching. They didn't find what they wanted in their country. And I knew they wouldn't find what they wanted in our country because you can never satisfy your soul until you come to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so my wife and I decided that that would become our mission field. And so we went back to teach and to try to work with young people. Well, Dr. Linstead, I'm excited about your book, The Power of the Cross. My wife and I both read the book, and we were really blessed by it. How did you come to write The Power of the Cross? I was doing a series at the local church that I was attending. It started out with one or two messages on the sayings of Christ from the cross. Those sayings of Christ from the cross, every time a person studies those simple sayings, I mean, they're just phrases, but it showed several things. It showed the love of God. Mm-hmm. And it showed the plan of God, and it showed the total price, the huge price that God allowed Jesus to pay for the salvation of any and every soul. And so I wasn't planning to do all seven, but by the time I was done, I'd done all seven. And then I began to think, wow, there's some other things concerning the crucifixion, because there was such a paradox. You know, people thought, okay, some religions almost feel sorry for Jesus on the cross. Mm-hmm. He was the victor. On the cross, he was the victor. And I saw the majesty that he displayed on the cross. And I saw that the whole thing was crowned by the resurrection from the dead. No religion can compete with what we have in Christianity. But the pivotal point in all of humanity's history is the cross. Because there, a holy God in a sinful man could be reconciled. The birth of Jesus Christ gets a month or two months' worth of messages in a lot of churches, but only one come Resurrection Sunday. Why do you think the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ has been so downplayed today? 
there was a time, James, when I almost didn't celebrate Christmas, and I've converted. I celebrate Christmas now. Part of it is because I found some things as I traveled to Israel, and it was the idea that he was born not in a stable like we know, like in a barn. People have a picture as a barn, but right. it was probably in a cave. It was the lowest thing, and I begin to connect the scene of the shepherds, and they were in the Megdali Dars, mm-hmm. and, and maybe we can do that series sometime on Southwest, because... It changed my whole thinking on Christmas, but here's the thing. He could have been born. He could have been a great preacher. He could have been a great healer and a great supplier of food. But there was something that we had that was a bigger problem. The bigger problem was my sin. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like, I think Satan doesn't mind if we celebrate the birth of Christ. Right. But he doesn't want us to celebrate the victory at the cross, in the Amen, victory yeah. at the tomb. And so, really, the virgin birth is a part of the gospel. It's an important part of the gospel. We're not diminishing that, but you see, that's not the whole story. Mm-hmm. The whole story is on the cross. When he cries out, it is finished. Wow, there's the story. And when they go three days later and they look at the tomb, it's empty. Amen. There's the story. And so, I think Satan, he wants us to believe in Jesus. That doesn't affect it. But he just doesn't want us to accept Christ as Savior. They accept him as the Lord of our life. That's what roused the devil up. And so I think the complete story is the birth, the death, the resurrection of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, here's the gospel. And it talks about the fact that according to the scripture, this was an unscripted. Mm-hmm. No, God the Father inspired the scripture through the Holy Spirit. And he said, these are the things that will occur. And Jesus Christ on the cross fulfilled one after another after another to prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that this was a plan orchestrated by God from eternity past, and it had present consequences. It forgave my sin. It has future consequences. I'm saved for eternity. I'm going to be with Jesus Christ in heaven above. If you're just joining us today on The Watchman on the Wall, my guest is Dr. Rob Linstead, his book, The Power of the Cross. You can get a copy now by calling 1-800-652-1144, or you can order online at swrc.com. Dr. Linstead, you had mentioned the seven sayings from the cross. The first half of the book, The Power of the Cross, focuses on those seven sayings. You mentioned that they're very, very significant, but you write that the seven sayings had their source in the Old Testament. In other words, the seven sayings were fulfilled prophecy. Would you elaborate on that? That's what's so neat about the script that God provided for our salvation. To really appreciate those sayings, they're all bedded, as you mentioned, in the Old Testament. In other words, God predicted years ahead of time, this is what the Messiah would do. There's no doubt he's the Messiah. When you see these seven saints from the cross, and you see how they're embedded in the Old Testament, he's the one. We're not looking for another one. We haven't missed one that came before. He's the very one. And so these saints are are so important, for example. Father, forgive them. Now, to me, what's incredible, he said that when he's on the cross. Mm -hmm. From time to time, you know, people will say something critical of you, or they'll insult you, and sometimes we deserve it. Sometimes we don't, but sometimes it takes us years. It may take us a lifetime to forgive people. Here's Jesus, no sin of his own, on the cross bearing my sin, my horrible sin, my sin that was bad enough to send me to hell. 
he's bearing it. He's taking my place. And they're crucifying him. And as they're driving the nails in his hands and his feet, and as they're brutalizing him, he says, Father, forgive him. Mm. He didn't have to wait a day. He didn't have to wait a month. No. He was willing to forgive him right then. Those people at the cross doing that horrible deed, already he was forgiving them. And he would ask God to forgive them in view of his death and his sacrifice. Only God could do that. Only God could. That's not what we as men do. We hold our grudges. And so to me, that's just one of the examples. I think of another one where he cries, I thirst. Mm -hmm. This is the living water. This is the person that gave water to the woman at the well that was a horrible sinner. And by the time he's done, he not only gives her living water, but he gives her spiritual living water that would change her life. And he's the one that invented H2O. He's the one that made oceans and rivers. And this person on the cross bearing my sin, he says, I thirst. And really, James, that's only half the story. Here's another part of the story that, to me, just goes beyond belief. Do you know that a Roman soldier, every Roman soldier has two things that's personally his. One is his sword. Mm -hmm. It's measured and weighed for his hand. And the other is a sponge. And this is a pretty graphic thing, and because you see, the Roman soldiers, they went so many places. And hygiene was such an important thing. And so they ran, they took a sponge, they put it to his mouth. Do you know what that sponge was used for? Mm. That sponge was used to, to clean the debris from the body. Right. I can't even imagine me as a person having a defiled sponge put to my mouth. Can you imagine the creator of the universe, the one who had no sin, bearing that? Why did he do that? He did it for me. That's how horrible my sin was. And so this whole scene at the cross, these sayings of the cross, they show that he's God. He's the living God of the universe. He's the creator of God. He's the savior of every person who would come to him and say, Lord God, I'm short of your standard. And they would know that Christ's blood was sufficient payment before a holy God to completely save them from their sin. Well, Dr. Lindstedt, you mentioned there, Father, forgive them, the first saying from the cross. The second saying from the cross is when Jesus said, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He said that to a thief that was crucified next to him. Would you unpack that verse for us? Yeah, that's a wonderful saying because a couple things. Number one, think about the first Adam, the Adam of Garden of Eden. And that Adam, by his sin, lost paradise. And he and his wife became thieves. They stole fruit from God's tree that was not allowed for them. And now here's the last Adam. Here's Jesus. And you know what he does? On the cross, he promises paradise to a thief. Mm -hmm. And so everything that we failed at, that Adam and Eve failed at, and we as men and women fail at, Christ on the cross puts it together. He makes it so that he can promise it. Here's what I like about that. What could that thief do to merit salvation? Nothing. His feet, his hands were nailed there. He couldn't be baptized to be saved. He couldn't go out and do good works to be saved. No. The only thing he could do, he could look at a man that had been cursed, that had been brutalized. He could look at him and say, you know what, this really is the Son of God. He could believe what he had heard Jesus say, 
that he was willing to forgive sins of anyone who would believe in him. And that thief on the cross, no other way to respond other than to put his trust in him. And Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. That's about the best guarantee a dying man could ever have. Amen. Well, Jesus also teaches us something about the importance of human relationships in the third saying from the cross. And we find that in John chapter 19, verses 26 and 27. There we read, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. So on the cross when the Lord was dying and agonizing death, he made sure that his mother would be looked after. What are your thoughts on that passage, Dr. Lindstedt? To me, the amazing thing is this. You would think when a man is there dying a horrible death, suffering an agony, he would be concerned for himself. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, many people, most of the people that were crucified, they were cursing at the people that were doing this deadly deed. But the Lord Jesus knows. His concern, even on the cross, was for others, for his mother, to make sure that she was taken care of because she was a faithful follower of him. Mm. And so the human relationship did not end, did not stop, but was fulfilled with him on the cross. His tenderness, his care, to me that's touching because, you know, we can go from one ditch to another. We can say those human relationships aren't important. No, they're very important. Jesus demonstrates how important that is because He makes sure that she's provided for in a physical way while he is taking care of her in a spiritual way. Mary had to accept Christ as her Savior, too. Mm -hmm. This one that was born from her, this one that was part of her, she still had to accept the fact that he was a sinless son of God, virgin-born, and she had to accept him as her personal Savior, but he never left that beautiful human relationship, and so he provided for her in a very wonderful, unique way. Well, Dr. Lindstedt, next time, I'd like to continue talking with you about the seven sayings from the cross and talk about the significance of the resurrection. I want to thank you again for being on the program with me today. My pleasure. I look forward to tomorrow. Dr. Lindstedt will continue his look at the power of the cross next time. Our featured resource today is Rob Linstead's book entitled, The Power of the Cross. In this book, Dr. Linstead answers the questions, what really happened at the trial of Jesus? What was the significance of the seven sayings from the cross? Did the crucifixion make Jesus a victim or victor? He also answers many more questions in his book, The Power of the Cross. Order your copy of Rob Linstead's book by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order The Power of the Cross online, swrc.com. All during the month of April, our anniversary month, we are honoring those who came before us. Our ministry elders who helped Watchmen on the Wall and Southwest Radio Ministries become the ministry it is today. Our host, Pastor Larry Spargimino, comes to the microphone now to honor another of those ministry elders. April is anniversary month at Southwest Radio Ministries. We started in 1933, 89 years of faithful broadcasting. I've been here since May of 1998 at the request of Noah Hutchings. 
It's been a wonderful time for me. The opportunities to work with Noah and others on the team have certainly been a blessing to me. It's been a real privilege to be a part of the team and to interview our many guests, authors, pastors, missionaries, and also to be involved in overseas missions. I remember interviews with Dave Hunt, Terry James, Tim LaHaye, Tommy Ice, and others like Norman Geisler, the Christian apologist, and later programs with men like Jonathan Kahn, Tom Horn, and the Skywatch TV crew. And, of course, men and women from Answers in Genesis, Ken Ham, Georgia Purdom, Jason Lyle, Bodie Hodge, and Dr. Danny Faulkner. Interviews with these men and women have been a blessing to me. It's just been so exciting to see men and women of God and to be able to pick their minds and to read their books and talk to them about their materials. When I look at the way many ministries have changed from their original vision and purpose, I think it is amazing that we are still on the same track as when we started. Many in the evangelical community seem to be drifting, but we're not drifting. We are anchored. However, we have not fossilized. There have been some new platforms, new technologies, new challenges. We want to be on top of things addressing current issues and concerns. Yet we are still anchored in the Word of God. We speak of heaven. We speak of hell. Just as heaven is eternal, so is hell. In Matthew twenty-five forty-six, Jesus said, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Eternal life is of the same duration as everlasting punishment. If you believe that heaven is forever, you must believe that hell is forever as well. We believe that eternal life is a gift to be received. There is nothing we can do to put God in debt to us. We don't clean up our acts so that he's under obligation to save us. No, we simply receive what God has done for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And the prophetic word is still one of our points of focus. As premillennialists, we look forward to Jesus coming back in great power and great glory to establish his millennial kingdom over the whole world. Without the king present on earth, there will be no kingdom on earth. We believe that prior to the seven years of tribulation on earth, the church of the living God will be raptured into heaven. Now, we don't see the rapture as an escape from obligation and faithful service in hard times, but it is an escape from the wrath of God, which will come upon the earth. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 10 says this, We are to wait for a son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Here at Southwest Radio Church, we believe that God's attitude towards sin has not changed. We're told to remember Lot's wife, in Luke 17:32. These words are in a context of eschatological judgment. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. We take that very, very seriously. What do I remember about Lot's wife? For just a backward glance, she was turned into a pillar of salt. Well, we don't know how she felt. Did it hurt? Did she scream? And how did Lot feel? Would he miss his wife's affection? We don't have definitive answers to questions such as these if we're not careful. However, 
and allow the natural man and human emotions to mold our assessment of God's ways, we would charge the Almighty God with being unfair. We at Southwest Radio Church will never do that. Now, there are those who claim that the God of the New Testament is different than the God of the Old Testament. The New Testament God is kind of sweet and cuddly. Be careful. Just remember the sudden deaths of Ananias and Sapphira. They were killed suddenly in front of the entire church. But no one condemned God or complained that he was not acting properly. In Acts 5 we read, And great fear came upon all the church, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women. God has not changed, and we will not preach and teach that he has. Acts 9.31 says, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. I came to serve at Southwest Radio Church in May of 1998 at the request of Noah Hutchings. I served with Noah for several years. We're all getting older. I know that, you know that, and Noah Hutchings knew that. One of his favorite passages was Psalm 71, verses 17 and 18. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation, and thy power to every one that is to come. Dear friends, please pray for me, and pray for all who minister at Southwest Radio Church. These are certainly days of great peril. We have a great work to do. And as you help, you pray, you give, we will continue to address these important issues. And I think of our children. I think of our grandchildren, all the needs that boys and girls have today. They need to have parents who are taught the Word of God, and we want to teach parents. We want to teach men and women the Word of God so they can be good parents, good citizens, and have that blessed hope in their hearts as they look for the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what has happened to our society in the last few years. Men have forgotten God. We've departed from the Word of God. Did you ever think it would be like this? I mean, I've been here for 22, 23 years, and I never thought the world would change so rapidly, so quickly, in such a negative way. But I'm glad that God is in charge. All glory goes to him. One day, the trumpet will sound. The dead in Christ will be raised first. And then we who are alive will be caught up into the air to be with them and with the Lord forever and ever. The Power of the Cross by Dr. Rob Linstead pours through the Word of God and teaches the details of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Order your copy of The Power of the Cross when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order your copy of The Power of the Cross online. Simply visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Tomorrow, we prepare for Easter with Pastor Larry. And Rob Linstead continues to encourage us with his study of the power of the cross.
Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for 89 years by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Oh,